Before we start today's show, I just want to give a massive shout out to Acast for making this show happen. Thanks, Acast. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello and welcome back to the PJ Podcast. I am your host, PJ. Um, If this is your first time here, welcome. If you are a repeat offender and you like what you hear on the show, don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts, whether it's on Apple or Spotify. Um, Go hit the little subscribe button. This week on the show, I'm joined by a friend of mine uh, who I met in Melbourne through a mutual friend and she taught me the art of meditation. It was after I posted something on Instagram this week um, saying how I had the most delicious, yummy meditation. Um, I had quite a few questions. People saying, oh my God, how do you do it? I cannot do it for the life of me. I've tried it so many times and I never have any success. So I thought, this is a podcast episode. Emma Maidment is joining me on the show this week. And Em is an international yoga and meditation teacher. She writes, she speaks And Emma's committed to sharing ways to live an authentic and connected life. She believes that meditation is the most powerful tool you can have in your kit to help you feel more connected, less stressed, and in tune to your flow state. I am so excited for you to hear my chat with Emma this week. We really talk about motherhood and not just surviving, but also being able to thrive. Um, she, she gave me some little nuggets of wisdom that I needed to hear this week. So I really hope you get something out of this week's chat with Emma Maidman. So I am very excited for today's guest, more selfishly than probably for other people, um, because she's a good friend of mine and we haven't actually caught up in quite some time. So Emma, thank you very much for joining the show today. Thanks for having me. Lovely to have a catch up. Um, More specifically, I have been prompted to get you on today because I posted on Instagram about how I had the dreamiest, most delicious meditation the other day. And I was followed up with a number of messages going, hey, PJ, oh my God, can you teach me how to meditate? And I was like, no, Uh, no, scrap this. No, we need to get a professional on. Emma Maidment is the lovely lady who actually brought me here in the first place and taught me how to meditate a few years ago. Like I had meditated before, but you were the first person to properly teach me a method that has stuck with me. So thank you so much. (laughs) You're so welcome. When I saw that story, I was like, yes, PJ, keep meditating. (laughs) It was so delicious. And I, since becoming a mum, I haven't meditated. 
nearly as much. And I always thought, yeah, like what's 20 minutes in a day? For me, it seems impossible. And I never thought that like I would be the person that would always, in that moment of downtime, be like, okay, I need to clean the house. I need to do all these other chores. I need to do work. And all of a sudden, self-care, which used to be something that used to be a priority for me, has completely be- like gone to the bottom of the list. First of all, what got you into meditating in the first place? Like, how did you start? So I call myself a recovering type A. I was a very, I was working in public relations at the time, a very different industry. And I was totally addicted to being busy. I had been doing yoga since I was like 15 or something, but I was that person in the yoga class that they'd get to the Shavasana. So the bit at the end where you lay down and I'd be there being like, hurry up. Like, when can we get out of here? Like basically checking my watch, like just irritated every time they do a meditation in the yoga class. Like I just came here to move, like hurry up. So not into it at all, (laughs) clearly tried a bunch of different techniques because obviously I was like, oh, you know, I like yoga. Meditation is kind of a part of it. Maybe I'll try. No. And it wasn't until life literally floored me. Like I got really, really, really sick. It's a whole other podcast, but got absolutely floored from some parasites. Got to the point where I, my body was like, you physically cannot do yoga. All you can do is sit in meditation. And I was like, oh, great. So I, I started researching stress and basically realized that even though I was like taking the herbs and looking after myself and eating all these, you know, beautiful organic food, there was so much stress in my system that nothing I could do would actually be healing because the stress levels were just through the roof. And so then I kind of surrendered and thought, okay, I need to find a technique. So that's where I found a transcendental style of meditation where you're actually transcending the mind and I guess giving your mind something to do, even though you're not actually doing anything, you're moving into a place of being. But that repetition of the sound, just, you know, as you as you described it, just gave me this yummy, blissful feeling. And I was like, I am home. This is a technique that I can get on board with. And then that fundamentally shifted the entire course of my life, basically. Isn't it so sad that people have to hit a rock bottom to start doing something so good for you? Like, it's just like the common theme of people's life stories that they had a meltdown. They, you know, they literally couldn't go on and they had to seek more answers. And that's when they find, and maybe that is part of it. Like, it's all part of life. You have to break down to break through. Yeah, I think it's also your individual personality and um, how willing you are to listen. Like, it's it's a lesson that I learned the hard way. And then I also looked at the patterning within that, right, which was I could have not had to have gotten to that point had I have addressed this earlier. So instead of just repeating, you know, in, in yoga and in the spiritual world, we'll call it a karmic loop. Instead of just being a little rat on a hamster wheel, going around and around and then learning the same lessons in a different context, I would look at it and go, okay, how can I apply that to other areas of my life, which is, you know, been a big part of my motherhood journey is going, okay, I don't want to get to the point of completely being depleted and resentful and just exhausted as a mum. So how can I be on the front foot of that? So I think, you know, sometimes you need to learn things the hard way, but as long as you don't just keep learning things the hard way, like look at that and go, okay, I've been there. I don't want to get back there. And that's also why I'm, that's why I became a teacher because I'm so passionate about 
helping other people nip it in the bud before they get to that point because it's so much harder to recover from complete burnout than it is to just recover from everyday life. That's what I was going to say to you now. For someone listening right now and they're like, oh, oh, I have been pretty stressed out pretty consistently for quite some time. Are there signs, are there symptoms that you can kind of look at to know that you are not in alignment and you are headed for, for a real meltdown, breakdown? Yeah, I mean, if you're living if you're living in a constant state of stress, which most people are because it's been so normalized. So this whole glorification of busy, you know, the caffeine fueled, constantly on the phone lifestyle is so normalized, you know, and it's normalized in media. It's, you know, it's like the sex in the city life. You're always on, you're always doing all the things, right? But we are supposed to have a period of rest and digest. So our nervous system has a stress response and a rest and digest response. What happens when the stress response switches on is our body, and, you know, you might be familiar with this, but the body doesn't see the difference between you being stressed out by a deadline or you being stressed out by something that's going to kill you. So, your body response (laughs) your body's like that's a lion coming to get me I need to run I need to you know send all the blood flow down to my legs so that I have energy to burn and I can get the heck out of here as fast as possible so that response is happening every time you're unable to experience a stressor in life and actually go okay cool I got this I can regulate You just go straight into run from the tiger and then most people are literally running their entire lives and then they actually start running, running or doing hit exercises and like really intense training because they're like, well, I want to be fit and healthy. And so they're just pushing that stress response through the roof. And often you might not actually feel the fatigue. You might just feel so much adrenaline pumping through you that you can't switch off. So often we see it as insomnia, as experiencing feelings of anxiety, of overwhelm, as opposed to the other end of the scale when your body gets to the point where it's like, I actually can't do this anymore. And it floors you with just fatigue where you're just like, I can't get out of bed. I'm completely burnt out. I'm exhausted. But our stress response is a survival response, right? So no matter how depleted you are, when that survival response kicks in, your body's like, I don't want to get eaten by a tiger. So I'm going to keep running. So you have this kind of gas in your tank, all of the hormones that it will pump through your body to keep you in that stress response, to keep you running away from the tiger. So often those, those, those things that we experience as really intense burnout and fatigue, aren't, we wouldn't associate it with, oh, but I'm, I'm not tired. I feel okay. It's like, well, you're actually completely wired and you can't sit still, you can't sleep, you're not actually deeply sleeping, you're just living on adrenaline, basically. Oh my gosh, you have hit the nail on the head, and I'm like, oopsies, I have been that person, because it's since being a mum, right, and I used to, as I said, like I used to carve out so much time for myself, and I used to, you know, enjoy that time on the mat, and I'd go and get some Reiki, and I'd go to the acupuncturist, I'd do all the things, and now it's like, oh my gosh, it's a treat if I sit down for like 10 minutes and just like breathe properly, but I think I have been living in that constant adrenaline-filled state, and it was the other day where I was like, I just need to meditate, like, because I was going to spend that time on my Sunday exercising, and my body was calling out to be like, no, you need to sit down. And I sat down for 15 minutes and I just had never felt like I needed it so much. <laughs> My body just like dissolved. And it was like, thank you. I just don't know how like mothers 
we're not we're not told we're not told about this when we go into this whole new world and you're expected to do it all and it is like caffeine is how people survive I mean I still have to have my two coffees I'm not gonna lie like <laughs> my coffees in the day but I guess it's about a balance isn't it yeah and it's it's actually allowing yourself time to rest and recover from being in that so stress yeah. is not bad that is a natural response in your body in your body you know and so we want to be able to ride the waves rather than just be peaking at the top 24 7 right because it's not sustainable long term this is where you might have heard of the term postpartum depletion it can show up you know 10 20 years after your kids were born because you're just you're depleting your nutrients you're depleting your life force essentially and so I'm all for exercise. If you follow me online, you'll see me doing little workouts. Like I love that, but it's done in a way that looks at where I'm at. So how much sleep have I actually had? You know, I've got a two and a half year old now who's sleeping way more consistently. Great. But then I'm also pregnant. Okay. Well, that's a stressor on the body. So maybe, you know, don't go for a 5k run, do some, you know, more controlled strength training. It's looking at things like that and prioritizing it. So as a mother, your nervous system sets the tone for the entire house. So you're not only connected to your baby, but the way that you show up impacts every single person in your family. And that's why we see then these families that are all just like, go, 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 go. And it's, oh, my kids are so crazy and it's hectic. And it's like, well, it's, yes, there's an element of that's, you know, their personality, but also you're setting that tone. So my number one tip for mums is take the first 20 minutes of nap time or bedtime or whatever for you and then clean the house do your work run around like what's 20 minutes that's basically the amount of time that you would spend scrolling mindlessly on instagram watching funny reels right so it's if you free frame it in that wave okay bubs is down for you know an hour an hour and a half nap i take i i be diligent like i actually commit to those first 20 minutes are for me then if I clean the house, it's a bonus. Or my mum hack is get the kids involved. Like even when Riv was a little bubba, I'd just sit him up. He'd splash around in the sink while I do the washing up. Or, you know, now he actually somewhat helps. And it does take a little bit longer. But also, you know, what else have I got to do really? I'm just, I'm hanging out with a, with a kid all day. So let's make, you know, cleaning the house a fun game so that I'm getting that done in his awake hours rather than it needing to be this idea that, baby's asleep suddenly the house has to be spotless and there's all this pressure placed on you like actually take that first little window for yourself then the rest is a bonus so my number one then mum hack is to get your kids involved with doing those chores so you know I get my little one helping me mop the floors and do all these kinds of things during his awake time so that you know it doesn't feel like I'm using those precious moments of his downtime to clean a house that's only realistically going to be dirty again in 10 minutes time. And that's just you know, an expectation that we place on ourselves of this idea of being the perfect mother and the perfect wife or partner or, or whatever that looks like. But who's placing that expectation on you? It's only yourself and it's only to your own detriment because your kids don't care if the floors are clean. They, they, they care if you are feeling present and connected and can relax your nervous system because it helps them relax as well. So it's looking at What's the highest priority here? So take that first 20 minutes of rest time, nap time, bedtime for yourself, then move on to whatever it else is that you need to do to feel complete for the day. 
Why is it that we become so anal with tidiness? I, I don't know why it's been since becoming a mum, but for me, I have just, that, that's been the biggest head F, to be honest. Well, one of the biggest head Fs, just trying to do it all with no time. And I, I don't know where it comes from. Like, have you found that struggle or have you just been able to surrender and let it go? I think for me, I've been able to surrender and let it go a little more um, just because I guess I look at it as like, what is the highest priority here? And at the very beginning, I was like, okay, cool. I'll tidy the house. I'll do this. And then you realize, particularly as your children get older, it gets messy pretty quickly. And But it also doesn't take much to clean it up. And what are you teaching them? You know, allowing your house to just become a total bomb and then you going around and picking it all up isn't really a great value to instill in your kids. So we try and we sing songs with Riv to get him to pack up his toys. And okay, like, you know, he's not there scrubbing the floors and <laughs> doing a deep clean of the house, but he loves, you know, spraying his vinegar on the window and doing all these, like, they love to help. And I think we forget that. We think, oh, they're a kid. Like, but to them, that's a fun game, sweeping the floors, getting the vacuum out, you can make anything a really fun game and then you're actually teaching them to respect their toys by packing them up, by helping mummy in this way that the family unit then works as a team that supports each other rather than mum just martyring herself to the cause of stressing about the house, of making sure dinner, you know, all these kinds of things that we just, we place on ourselves as expectations. Whereas who's, you know, who's asking you to do that? Nobody. And then you get to this point in your life. And this is, I guess, my big motivating factor was I was running all of these retreats with women that would get to their, you know, they'd have teenagers. So kind of like that early, late 40s, early 50s stage of their life. And they'd be like, I don't know who I am. I sacrificed my job, my career, my body, my everything for these kids. And now they're off in the world doing their thing and no one cares about me. And it's they expected this, you know, massive sense of gratitude to come their way, but their kids are like, well, I didn't ask you to spend all your time mopping the floors. That was, you know, your obsession, not mine. And I guess I looked at that and thought, okay, I don't want to be that. So how can I shift that narrative so that I'm not getting to that point where I'm suddenly having this life crisis in my fifties and just being like, I'm just going to go on a yoga retreat, become a yoga teacher and throw caution to the wind and actually stay connected to me. And that's the big part of it because we lose ourselves in, in motherhood to the dishes, to the floors. You know, it's not even necessarily to our actual children. It's to, you know, the load of, of running a household, all the fluff. And ultimately your kids don't care. They just care about presence and connection. That's all they want. And so when you're able to be present and connected with yourself, you're then present and connected with your kids. Everybody's regulated. Then you get a 10-minute window of them happily playing by themselves while you tidy up the bookshelf or whatever those little tasks are that you know are on your mind to do. Oh, man, that reframing is very powerful and the exact words that I needed to hear today. So thank you, Em. Um, for people listening that, you know, you, you've advised that 20 minutes, you know, carve that out for yourself and they might hear that and go, well, hang on. How do I meditate? How do I lock out the noise? What would be your advice for someone who hasn't actually, you know, learned the TM technique or have their own style of meditation? Do you have any sort of easy hacks to, to cut out that noise and just be in the moment? So the, the first thing that you always carry with you at any point is your breath. 
So when you're feeling completely overwhelmed, whether it's when you're driving and your baby's screaming in the back and you're trying to focus because you've got to be somewhere in time and it all feels overwhelming, coming back to a counted breath is a really beautiful way to help regulate your nervous system. So breathing in, counting to four, and breathing out, counting to six. And that exhale being a little bit longer than the inhale helps to bring you into a state of rest and digest. So you're actually able to calm the nervous system down a little bit. That is step number one. And, you know, even my my private clients that I work with that, that do, you know, a more um, extensive style of meditation, they still use that technique throughout the day when they've got three kids screaming at them and it feels overwhelming. It's a great way to just regulate in the moment. Another really great way to regulate in the moment that you can do with children around is shake. Like uh, there's videos of me doing this online and in media articles and you look insane, but you literally just shake your body, put on some Taylor Swift, shake it out, shake your limbs, shake everything. It creates a release. So it's like, like literally go floppy, shake your head, shake your hands. You know, you're not trying to shake your booty on a Saturday night on a dance floor. You're just shaking, shaking, shaking <laughs> everything. And it creates a release in your body because it's all just energy that's that's pent up, right? And then we explode when our partner doesn't unpack the dishwasher. So we just shake that energy out and then you stop and you'll take a couple of breaths and you'll feel this tingling release in your body. And you're like, oh, okay, I've released that frustration. I've released that emotion that I was holding on to. And kids love it. They think like, like they don't look at you like you're weird. I mean, maybe if they're maybe if they're a teenager, they'd be like, "You're crazy, mom." But you know, younger kids are like, "Cool, we're jumping around, shaking. I'm on board with that. Let's go." So you're just releasing that energy, and you know, you look at toddlers; they're trying to release energy by having a giant meltdown, screaming on the floor. It's all just energy that's that's built up, and we suppress and suppress and suppress. So there's some great ways to regulate in the moment. Then the next step is finding a technique or a practice that works for you. Um, I find practices like yoga nidras work really well for mums that are tired and sleep deprived because you're laying down, you're, you're following a technique that's allowing your mind to rest. Because often if we just sit in silence as a mum, we're like, tick, 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 there's a thousand things going on in my brain. I'm not really present. I don't know what's happening. But if you're following a guided practice, often you're like, okay, cool. I'm doing this. I'm listening. I'm doing what the what the instructor, what the audio is telling me to do. And I'm moving into that state of, of, of rest and relaxation. So yoga nidra practices are great. Short guided meditation practices are great. It doesn't have to be a full 20 minutes. Like if you've only got 10, 10 minutes is way better than no minutes. If you've only got five minutes, five minutes is way better than no minutes. Like actually just do something as opposed to just going, I don't have the time. I can't do it. There's so many different options. You know, I, I have a whole library of practices for mums that raise that run from, you know, five minutes to 40 minutes from movement to meditations, but it's all about just doing something for yourself because it's also setting a really powerful example and it's saying to yourself, you matter. Like I actually matter as a person and I too deserve to be looked after. You know, you can't, there's that whole thing if you can't pour from an empty cup and we just create this story around motherhood that we have to sacrifice and give and give and give and give. And then we're depleted and resentful at the end of the day, or at some point in our life, it catches up with us. And so it's looking at that and going, no, I took 10, I took five minutes for myself today because today was particularly hectic, but that's okay. Cause I did something for me. It's, it's reframing that 
self-belief, that self-love that you deserve it. Oh, I love that. I um, I know a lot of people that just say meditation isn't for me. It just, you know, my brain can't switch off. And to those people, what would you say? So the biggest myth about meditation is that you have to get rid of your thoughts, right? I can't meditate because I can't switch off my mind is what I hear constantly from people that, you know, listen to me on a podcast and go, oh, it sounds amazing, but I can't switch off my thought. Then the point is to not switch off your thoughts, right? You have, I think it's like between 70 to 80,000 thoughts a day. I don't know how they scientifically measure that, but that's the number that gets thrown around. It's a lot, right? So you're never going to get rid of that many thoughts, you know, that that's, that's an unachievable goal. The practice becomes how can we allow the thoughts just to be there in the background and move into a more meditative state, move into a place of experiencing a deeper part of ourselves simultaneously as the thoughts and everything else occurring because we want these practices to benefit us in everyday life. It's not about just running off to an ashram in India and meditating in a cave for a month because that's actually easy. You know, that would be way easier. Everything's taken care of. You don't have nothing else to do. You just sit in your cave and meditate. But when you have to actually show up and do life and process everything that's happening in our world at the moment, it's more about how can I allow those thoughts and everything else to be there and move into a place that's beyond that because that then becomes the training ground essentially for everyday life because we want meditation and these practices to actually impact our daily life experience. It's not just something that we sit down, do, feel good in the moment. What happens when you start to do it is you begin to notice that your life begins to flow. Everything else begins to change. And so if there's resistance, it's often because there's resistance to a thought. There's maybe trauma in the body. There's something that we're hiding from that comes up when we sit down and you don't have to be in silence. Like for a lot of people sitting in complete silence is really, it's too much. It's overwhelming. I can't like even fathom that. You don't have to. And having a teacher that guides you is, I guess it's like the icing on the cake there. Like if you're really resistant to it and you put on an app, you're like, nah, whatever, this is just an app. But when you're actually working with someone that can identify and pull out these things and work with you a bit more personally, you can break through those things that are blocking or holding you back. Yeah. And I, I can vouch for that. Like <laughs> this isn't just to like, you know, promote you or whatever, but like in all honesty, having that weekend with you, it was, you know, the weekend assigned to learning meditation. It was so beautiful. And it and I feel like it just is more etched into you. Do you know what I mean? And so when you have those thoughts going up, I don't know, I just kind of fall back into that moment when I was with you and I remember everything you said because it was just such a beautiful experience over the weekend. And I feel like that for me really helped um, solidify the practice. Yeah. And it's just really dependent on where you're at in your life and what works for you. You know, for some people mm. doing a guided practice every day is their jam. And that really is what they want to keep doing. You know, like yourself, you've been doing it for a while. You've been dabbling here and there, and then you get a practice that's your own. And suddenly you're like, okay, I can do this independent of an app or a phone or whatever. And then it's just a more, <laughs> becomes more of a matter of actually showing up to do that. Yeah. Do you think it's really important for your partner, particularly like when you're a mum or whatever, for your partner to be doing the same practice? Or does that not matter? Do you think everyone can do their own kind of thing? 
One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Everyone can definitely do their own kind of thing, you know, we're all climbing the same mountain essentially we're just taking different paths to get there and often when women go down this path where they start to experience the benefits of meditation mindfulness yoga all these things they suddenly become these annoying preachers in their house that's like you need to do this you need to do that (laughs) and their partner's like shut up with the meditation you know if you it's that you know it's that whole you can drag a horse to water but you can't make them you can't make them drink But by you doing it, because your nervous system is setting the tone for the house, it has an effect. So one of my um, meditation students at the moment, she, you know, her husband works away. He's really busy, not interested in the meditation stuff at all. But she's noticed a massive shift in him by her sitting down. She meditates twice a day. She does her thing. She'll wake up in the morning when he's, you know, asleep next to her and just gently hold his hand while she meditates. And by proxy, she's having this huge impact because her level of of consciousness essentially is rising and she's pulling those people around her into it. And you become this kind of like shiny thing. And and often people find that their partners will get to a point where they go, okay, I want what you've got because that actually looks pretty (laughs) good. (laughs) And I can see the changes that that it's having in you. But it's less about, you know, going and doing a course and suddenly becoming an evangelist to your partner, which is just annoying and going to push them away. And more about just like, it's like with kids, how can I model the behavior? Just live it, embody it, do it. And they will receive, firstly, they'll receive, a whole house will receive benefits as a byproduct of your state of being, being more relaxed and calm and regulated. That will trickle through into everything rather than you just continually nagging them. It is, honestly, it is such a beautiful experience to do with your partner. Like it is a really lovely thing to do together because you're connecting on such a deep level, but some people's partners are just not there yet. And so it's like, okay, cool. Don't worry about them. You do you and trust that everything else will flow from there. Yeah, well, because my partner, he's a very staunch army bloke kind of guy but he is quite open he is quite spiritual deep down but he's not like in that I'm gonna go and sit and meditate his way is kind of connecting with nature and you know he loves being outdoors and sometimes I reckon that's his form of meditation but 
it's not, you know, I guess classified as that, but, you know, being in touch with nature and animals and all that kind of thing, would you consider that to be some form of meditation? It's not meditation in terms of like you're not actually doing a technique that's bringing you into a deeper state of awareness, but you're Correct. living in being, which is ultimately the goal, right? So when you mm. sit down to do the practice mm-hmm. that, you know, that I taught you to do, you're accessing a space called being. And you're bringing that out into your everyday life experience. The more that you meditate, the more you start to experience it in real life, right? If he's out there just purely being, then he's already in that being state. So yes, he's not getting the benefits of meditation as having it as a practice, but he's also living that and experiencing being in his everyday life, which for most of us is something that most people struggle with. You know, it's actually being with nature, being in connection, experiencing that connection to the world around us. We're often just like totally tunnel visioned. I'm on my walk. I'm doing my thing, got my headphones in, off I go, rather than actually being in communication with nature and everything that's around us. So it's not meditation per se, but it's a beautiful way of being in the world. And that's kind of ultimately, you know, that nature is a massive regulator for your nervous system. So if he's regulating in that way, beautiful, keep doing that. Em, I know that you have um, you have recently moved to a more rural way of living. You used to be a city girl in Melbourne, uh, then you were kind of Byron Bay, and now you have got you guys have moved into your own kind of like looks like a country home. Like, what's your setup? Yeah, so we're. I mean, like, look, it's still like you know twenty minutes from Byron. It's it's more in the hinterland region, but yeah, we're on five acres now, and we're actually going to be setting up kind of like a whole little agroforestry food forest and mushrooms and all the things are going to be happening, which is really exciting. So massive life shift from, you know, the fast paced life that I was living in Melbourne, even though, you know, for the 11 years of that, I was still practicing and teaching meditation. It is very different when you're then actually living that, you know, as, as, as your partner experiences out in nature every day. And I see that my little one, he just loves, he's so regulated and happy being outside. It's pretty amazing. So yeah, it, it's, it's great. Like it really enhances that experience a hundred percent, but I feel like the meditation and the, the real work that I did was when I was living in the city and I was exposed to so many more people around me being in that really stressed state because it's the, it's a great training ground to come back to. And now, you know, living in this really beautiful, peaceful environment where we don't always get great Wi-Fi and things like that. <laughs> uh, it's a, <laughs> it's just living that in, in action a little bit more. Well, I find that like, you know, I am literally in a blissful paradise where I live. Like it is very beautiful, but sometimes, and I think people assume that that just means you can instantly switch off. But I find that my thoughts, when you're in like a stunning landscape, it it, it kind of does the opposite sometimes. I don't know if that's from like living there for a while, you start to take it for granted, but you get to a point where I'm like, oh my God, I need to be appreciating this. Why am I not appreciating this? Do you find that, Eva? So often it's, it's your nervous system, right? So it's mm. your nervous system is so hardwired to just be go 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 all the time that when you stop it's like this process comes up where all your stuff comes up it's like you know they it's like word vomit it's like internal thought vomit just going "Ah, ah," because you're actually relaxing you know it's it's 
<laughs> it's why often when we see people that, you know, people learn to meditate or they come on a retreat or they have some big experience, suddenly they're like, wow, here's all my stuff. Because it's just, it's trying to make its way out of you. You know, it's like your body wants to be in this beautiful, calm, connected, regulated state. Um, also, it's important to remember though, let me just decide that calm is not the goal of a regulated nervous system, right? So a regulated nervous system can move between the two states effortlessly. It can notice when it's experiencing a stressor that's creating a massive stress response in the body and it can move back towards that rest and digest state. So it's not to say that you need to live on a rural property in the middle of nowhere and be in a place where you are just perfectly appreciating everything around you at all times, right? You need a little bit of both, right? You need like, oh no, the cow got out. That's a bit stressful. I need to go and deal with that, right? Oh we, we need to be able to- looking? Have you been like secretly watching? The drama. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. So, you know, it's, it's, yeah, the goal isn't just to, you know, be homesteading in bliss, right? Because it comes with its own set, set of challenges. Yes, it does. We want to actually become more resilient human beings, that can respond and adapt rather than just being in total freak out mode, stressed all the time in that, like, you know, like that's almost your voice goes high pitch, right? Cause you're in that stressed state. It's more like, okay, cool. Like rather than seeing it as a stressful situation, there's only a stressful response. So the stress that comes along, whether that's the cow getting out and ruining a fence or whether that's the power going out, you know, missing a deadline or something, you know, like, or whether that's, you know, living in the city and someone's cutting you off in traffic or you're late or whatever. It, it's, it's, it's all relative to your current environment, but it's going, how can I respond to that rather than just react, react, react? So what's the difference between responding and reacting? The nervous system response. So if you're in a state of responding, then you are able to actually look at the, the situation with a bigger picture and go, okay, how can I respond from this? Ideally, you know, I always say we're responding from a place of love. Like, how can I respond to this? This is a situation. These are my options. Okay, I'm going to go in, I'm going to go get a rope and get the cow and follow these logical steps. Our brain works from then heart up, right? So it's like I'm, I'm, I'm in touch with my intuition. It's telling me, this is how I need to respond to this situation. I can then use my thinking mind is not a bad thing. I can then use my thinking mind to organize the steps that I need to take in order to action upon that intuitive impulse and rectify the situation, right? Reacting is it doesn't go down to the heart or the intuition. It's in the head going, these are the 6,000 ideas I have about how to get out of this. And I'm just going to like really quickly do all of them and be really manic and hope that something works. And you're just kind of throwing stuff at the wall and hoping that something sticks. It's not coming from that deeper sense of knowing with inside of yourself. And the more that you are able to access that, the more that you, you know, this is why our business, everything's all about living in flow. When you're in flow state, you're totally connected. You're totally present in the moment with what's occurring. Nothing else exists. There's no room for the five other options. It's just laser focus. Okay, this is what I'm doing. And that's how people become highly successful. That's what athletes experience. When they're playing a game, they're in a state of flow. They're not thinking about, you know, oh, what am I going to have for breakfast tomorrow? Or like, what am I going to do about this? They're just totally present in the moment and they're able to channel their focus in a really, really positive way. And so we can start to experience that as unathletic professionals. Um, oh, I've seen you, Georgie, <laughs> you're pretty athletic. 
<laughs> CrossFit Games, here I come. <laughs> but, you know, you're able to experience that in your everyday life, living essentially in flow. You're just living from your own innate intelligence and you're responding to what's occurring in your life rather than just reacting constantly to everything that's happening around you. And so, like, I guess doing that meditation or having that practice, which enables you to be mindful, that means that when you do come to those situations, you don't even have to really think about whether you're going to react or respond. You naturally go into the response state. 100%. The more that you do it, the more it just becomes second nature. You know, you're not – and it's often why people are like, oh, how come – you know, with us, it's like, how come your entire house flooded and your entire town went under and this and this and this happened and you guys just – kept going and it's because we built you know that those situations they were really intense but we built resilience in our nervous system and we responded continually and continually and we kept meditating and looking after ourselves throughout what was a really you know hectic situation to be in and so it's looking at things more like that and it just becomes then your second nature to respond so then you place that into say motherhood where your kids are totally losing their mind and you could find that really triggering and then you're in a reactive state and if you i mean i don't know if you've started experiencing tantrums yet but if you're experiencing i mean i don't think they even like using the word tantrum anymore if you're experiencing a big emotion from a child right and then you meet that with a big emotion when a child's in that state the, the, the frontal prefrontal cortex switches off there's no logic they're just full emotion it's like ah, i didn't get my toy and now i'm like totally losing the plot right and then if you're like stop losing the plot you can't have your toy no 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 it's just conflict 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 right but if you're actually regulated you can hold the space in a way that just allows whatever that energy is to move through them and everyone returns to homeostasis to a place of balance much more effortlessly as opposed to you reacting, them reacting, and the whole situation blows up. We see that in arguments with our partner, right? When it's in the heat of the moment and you're frustrated and they're frustrated and we fire this venom at each other, nothing gets resolved. No, no one feels good at the end of that. You're just yelling for the sake of yelling because you're rah, rather than actually taking that time to go, okay, I'm actively listening. I'm in a space where I can listen to your needs and I can respond and I can also voice what my needs are in that situation. Oh, conflict resolution. Everyone's happy as opposed to just like, well, you this and you that because I'm so stressed and tired. Well, I'm also stressed and tired. And then at the end of the day, I'm just predicting, I'm predicting, I'm predicting. The other person's predicting. It's not really about what's going on. It's about all these other issues coming up. Yeah, it's about us not actually looking after our individual selves first. Would you say that people who have a yoga practice are getting the same benefits for people who have that meditation practice? Does that help with the regulation as much? Oh, great question. It really depends on what type of yoga you are doing. <laughs> so traditionally speaking, if you're doing a very traditional style of yoga, yes, it is designed to regulate your nervous system in a way that it's placing your body under a physical stress. So say you're in a pose where you're holding your arms out and your arms are burning and your legs are burning and you're like, Ugh! and then it's teaching you to regulate that by being in connection with your breath, by staying in the body. You know, that is the ultimate goal of a more traditional practice. Nowadays, it's blurred the line between exercise and yoga so if you're going to a class where they're just pumping loud music and you're moving at the speed of lightning and you're just (laughs) the whole time trying to catch your breath maybe not so much (laughs) you're not you're not receiving the full energetic yin practices are beautiful 
as a way to just, you know, it's being in that opposite energy, right? So we're in this yang state. And when you're doing like a fast flowing, I love that style of yoga. It's it's great. It's super fun. But for most people, they they gravitate towards that because they're highly stressed and it's a way of continuing to avoid that high stress, right? We get to the end and everyone rolls up their mat and skips Shavasana, right? The whole point is that we get to that point so that we are pushing ourselves physically in the practice of physical yoga so that we can relax and dissolve into that space of Shavasana and experience being in that space, right? Whereas a yin practice, a lot of people find that quite triggering as well because the body holds so much emotion. So when you're in a really deep hip stretch and your teacher says, we're staying here for five minutes and breathing deeply, you're like, oh, all my mummy issues are coming up and everything else. And ah, I can't be in stillness because the body holds the memories and the body doesn't communicate in words. The to-do list that used to come up in my mind, the to-do list that would come up as, the, you know, the class is coming to an end. I'm like, oh, shit, shit, shit. Have I paid for parking? Like, oh, my gosh, uh, what am I doing straight after? What about dinner? You know, everything comes flooding into your brain. That's a sign that you're not regulated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's and it's often that, you know, we're sitting in a yin class and we're just thinking about stuff the whole time rather than actually looking at it as it's a practice, right? It's not just something that, oh, I went to a class and I ticked the box. It's actually asking you to do something, to practice that. So then it becomes second nature. It becomes more effortless. The more that you, it's why we call it a yoga practice, a meditation practice. It's it's not something that you do once and suddenly not a yoga like, final. Ah, finished. I feel amazing. It's something that supports and holds you throughout your entire life. Oh, Em, I have um, I've really taken a lot from chatting with you today, and I know that people can access your incredible wisdom if they do want to, you know, learn a little bit more about meditation and yoga. Although I do know you're about to have a second baby, so I'm not sure how that's going to look for you. Is that still going to be? Yeah. So. Um, my partner and I run a business together called Flow States Collective. We both teach meditation courses. Um, and then I also have a membership that has access to all of the things specific to motherhood for any mums listening that are like, I want to do yoga nidra or I want to do some, you know, yoga or even when you're pregnant, it's so important. Your, your nervous system is creating a blueprint and imprint on your, on the baby in inside of you as well. So at all stages. So that will obviously be continuing to go as I'm taking a bit of time off um, to work with, you know, to work with, to be with um, <laughs> to be a new mom. baby and transitioning yeah. the family in that way, just to, you know, be in newborn mum life again. Um, and then, yeah, you'll, there'll be there'll be a wait list for anyone that wants to learn to meditate with me or they can choose to learn to meditate with my partner. And often I find that a lot of people will end up doing that course as a couple with ties like I don't take it personally but they're like oh we love you and we follow you online but can we learn with your husband because my partner would feel more comfortable with a dude yeah. <laughs> you're like okay fair fine. enough um so yes the business the business will the doors will still be open um I'll just be taking a, a little bit of a step back but yeah all the the meditations and the membership and everything that we offer is still available Amazing. Oh, well, Em, thank you so much. I know you're very busy and I appreciate you taking the time out this morning um, to come on and chat and impart your wisdom on all things regulating the nervous system, meditation, being a mum, not just surviving, but thriving. Um, thank you so much. And I'll put in the show notes wherever people listen to their podcasts, just how they can find you as well. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me. 
That was my chat with Emma Maidment. And as I said, like, oh my gosh, I just needed to sit down and chat with her this week. It was just the perfect timing. Even though the internet was absolutely diabolical, and you probably wouldn't have heard it in there, but thank you, Liv, our editor. Um, she would have made it sound seamless. It was terrible. We kept cutting in and out, and she'd say these really profound things, and then, that, that, and I'm like, I, I, can, can you do that again? <laughs> so, um, no, but in all seriousness, it was just like the reminder of coming back to your breath. You know, such simple things like that can make a world of difference. And also, that prioritising 20 minutes at the beginning of Charlie's nap times, I'm going to commit to that because it's just something that seems so simple but I think it will make uh, a world of difference. So if M sounds like someone you need in your life, I will chuck um, how you can find her and, and what she's about, Flow States, um, in the show description. So you can go and get that zen goodness if you need a little bit in your life. Um, and I hope you got something out of this week's episode. But in the meantime, I will be back next week with a brand new episode. I hope you have a good one. I'll see you then. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.